You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays here at Daily Dose of Toronto Blue Jays Talk, directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to a kind of subdued Blue Jays Fan Friday today. I am your host, Ryan Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com. Um, my throat's a little mucked up. I'm thankful it's Friday so I can rest it over the weekend, hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a shorter Fan Friday this week. We're going to save everything for the second half couple of discussions that i want to talk about that came up one one because of something i put out there the other that kind of came up organically and i do want to touch on that but we'll talk about the play on the field first and i (laughs) i don't really want to talk about the play on the field but we kind of have to because it was bad again and it was the bats again. Um, Blue Jays lost 4-2 to Chicago. Uh, mustered two hits in the entire game. Somehow managed to score two runs. White Sox helped with an error. But it was just extremely disappointing to watch them go out there, face a, a pitcher who we literally just saw last week get knocked around by this team and just get absolutely put to sleep by Dylan Covey. Like, it wasn't even, like, the usual problem of they're just whiffing at everything and just racking up the strikeouts. They only struck out three times in that game, but just everything was finding a glove that they hit. Everything was just not falling fast enough or was not hit fast enough or when it was hit fast enough right at someone just it it was like an exercise in futility trying to watch that and I'm surprised Marcus Stroman did not you know have more things to say because Marcus Stroman turned in another really good performance and like he's he's been working on on retooling his arsenal. He tweeted out um, earlier today that he's been working on adding a change up to his arsenal. Which if if you're just giving Marcus Stroman more tools to work with to try and disrupt timing on the mound and and disrupt a hitter's rhythm, that's key to his success. So if he has that club in his bag, that's only a benefit for the Blue Jays. So it was a great start from him. Um. The main takeaway I saw from a lot of Blue Jays fans last night was the choice of using Derek Law in the eighth inning. And I can, like, I've I've raised a couple issues with some of Charlie Montoyo's choices that he's made so far this season. But I can actually see the logic behind sending in Derek Law in the eighth. And the main reason is just the position in the lineup. Um, The leadoff batter in the eighth was the sixth hitter 
Nikki Delmonico. So you figure if a guy like Law can get through six, seven, eight, nine, then that sets you up better to use one of your better pitchers to go against the supposed strength of the White Sox lineup. And another reason that Law was chosen is because some of the Blue Jays guys needed a rest. And this is a very long stretch of games for the Blue Jays. Um, there's there's no rest whatsoever. They come back, they play the White Sox and the Padres, and then fly to Tampa Bay. So that's that's a run of 14 games in a row for the Blue Jays. Actually, is it 15? Um, no, it's even more. It's 16. I'm underselling it. I apologize to you all. But just makes my point even more valid. He's got to start being more selective with the arms that he has in the bullpen. So to ask Derek Law to go out there and retire the supposed weaker batters in the White Sox lineup was not that much of a stretch, especially if you're trying to figure out what you have in Derek Law who was part of that Kevin Pillar trade, needed a change of scenery, and needed to go out there and try and prove something. Well, he proved he could not get these six, seven, eight, nine guys out. And the White Sox ended up winning that game board too. And it just shows where Law is on the totem pole. He's probably still ahead of Javi Guerra, just because Guerra's 33. He's got less time in the majors, but... Just when you watch Derek Law pitch, he he didn't have anything that really fooled any of those White Sox batters. And like seeing him get get left out there to to try and work his way through it. Like you could tell like like that was his inning and it was because of just the lack of options. There was no Tim Meza last night. Um, the Blue Jays didn't want to use him again. He has been used a lot already this season, so you don't want to burn him out. You need your only left-hander. You typically save Gavilio for longer outings and don't have Pannone anymore. He's been optioned. Um, Tapera had just pitched. So there there weren't many choices for Montoyo to make, so he, he made the decision to see if Law could do it. Law couldn't do it. It, it was uh, the White Sox scoffing at the law. So you you live and you learn. And at least the, the main benefit of Derek Law taking that L is that Marcus Stroman didn't have to take that L because he does not deserve to be one in six. He does not deserve to be anywhere near the leaders in losses for the Blue Jays. But again, it comes back to that hitting. He, he only got the two hits in support. Like, I'm I'm starting to wonder if he don't just let Stroman hit for himself. See if he can generate more offense for this team. Like, t- it worked for Trent Thornton. Might as well see if Stroman can go out there and actually do something for himself. He can go out and Noah Syndergaard it. You know, get the, get the home run and get the 1-0 win. Because he's not really getting anything from the bats. So... That, that's what I'll, I'll say on that. Tonight we have Aaron Sanchez against Ivan Nova. So it'll be interesting to see if Sanchez can keep the 
aggressiveness that he had against the White Sox at home. The 11 strikeouts was beauty. But just kind of cut down on the hits a little more. Um, tied a season high with nine hits. So if he can dial that back a little bit, he might have a chance against Nova, who obviously another one of these pitchers who just held the Blue Jays quote-unquote offense in check. So so speaking of that quote-unquote offense, we will actually talk about it right after this break. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so a couple of topics for the fan portion of Fan Friday. Um, I asked on Twitter, just given the Blue Jays that have been struggling a lot, um, I asked which one uh, fans thought had the best opportunity to turn it around quickly. Um, it, it was pretty much unanimous. I will give a shout out to Tim James at Tim underscore Whitey, who suggested Dwight Smith Jr., which I'm sure the Orioles are enjoying that turnaround and batting 275 on the day. But um, the name that I, I got mostly was Danny Jansen. Um, and John Metzler of Blue Jays Beat, at Blue Jays Beat, said he's hitting the ball hard, just needs to put it in the air more. And because he's he's the starting catcher for sure, he has a longer leash than, say, Teoscar Hernandez, who got sent down, or Lourdes Gurriel, who got sent down. Um, uh, fellow Jays from the couch writer, Roy, uh, Roy Widrig at Yeah, Hi, Roy, um, said Danny's in a rough stretch of hitting laser beams right at fielders. So he agrees with John. Um, Jansen's not looking overmatched and his position will keep him around. No one to force him off. Mealy has been awful at the plate. So awful that he actually got scratched after being named in the starting lineup today. Jansen's back in. So he will continue to get his shots. But then, um, Jason Lee of at Jason's underscore Jays hub came in and suggested that Jansen's numbers were still very poor, that he's not hitting the ball really hard. And the, the underlying numbers only suggest like a minor improvement. It's not really conductive to what they want to see out of him, which I, I think that could be, true for a lot of the Blue Jays right now that are struggling. You're not seeing solid contact out of them. Like, like again, they just seem overmatched by a lot of the MLB pitching. And Jansen doesn't really have the opportunity to go down and work on his craft, so he is going to have to do it at the major league level. And I, I do agree with John and Roy that he does have the best chance to turn it around just because he does have the opportunities. And you you kind of exclude guys like Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney from this conversation because it's like, how long do they get to stay with the Blue Jays? They prove themselves better than Teoscar. But 
It's just a matter of what will they contribute in the future to this team. And that's what they have to go out there and prove in the time that they do have with this club. And then the other conversation that I wanted to talk about um, concerns a an increasingly frequent contributor to the show. That would be Chris at Call Me Chris 316. Um, he agreed with the previous contributors that Jansen was the option. He had a longer leash than McGuire and was clearly better than Maley, so he's going to continue to be out there. But um, he got into a conversation with Alex at Alex Hogler because Alex expressed discontent with the front office saying that uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins had essentially ruined the team. And Alex's main argument was that Cleveland didn't start winning until they left, which, okay, um, they'd been pretty successful during that time. They had the benefit of a weak division, but they still won it. Um, and Alex thinks they have done nothing to build the farm, saying Teoscar is the best player they have acquired. I do not agree with that at all. The choices that they've made since 2015 have done pretty good to build the farm, as Chris pointed out. I mean, guys like Nate Pearson, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Adam Klopfenstein, Jordan Groshans. Um, a, a lot of guys that are starting to come up and actually, you know, build the Blue Jays system, which is nice. Um, like, just just the job they did rebuilding it after Alex Anthopoulos traded a lot of the pitching prospects for that playoff run is a victory in itself. But... Um, Chris did a good job summarizing essentially what they did, which, you know, making mistakes like every front office does, but then getting a Trent Thornton for an Alemis Diaz and freeing up the space to sign a Freddie Galvis, making the best out of a terrible situation and getting rid of garbage person Roberto Osuna and bringing back a Ken Giles who has been just as effective. Um, Alex continued that the Blue Jays should be spending more to try and compete with the Yankees and Red Sox, which that's never been the Blue Jays' MO. They did spend about $150 million the past couple seasons, and that got them broken Josh Donaldson and broken Troy Tulowitzki and super utility player Russell Martin. But... What they're doing now, at least from a payroll standpoint, is getting to the point where they have that larger window open. And once they get to that window, they're going to need the money to spend on Marcus Stroman, hopefully, or, you know, give the extensions that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to command. And hopefully some, some of these other younger players, once they get up there, and to be able to sign free agents to complement these players and for the most part it's going to be pitchers because it that seems to be the way that Mark Shapiro operates 
he can find pitchers in other organizations and pull them in. He pulled in Corey Kluber. He pulled in Carlos Carrasco. He pulled in Mike Clevenger. He's able to identify those starters and, and just build them up. So, yeah, um, Chris did a very good job at um, basically trying to explain that. Alex wasn't having it, and that's fine. You can you can have your own opinions on it, and I'm sure Alex will love what happens to the Braves at the trade deadline when they send like three prospects over for Ken Giles. I look forward to having Luis Gohara here, as I've said multiple times on this podcast. Um, we also got a late entry from uh, at Miles Higgins, who says Lourdes Gurriel is likely to make that comeback. I think his time is coming very soon. I think they want to give him more run in the outfield in Buffalo, which I don't know how they're going to do that with like six outfielders in Buffalo. But if they want to give him more time there, I am all for that. I think he will eventually be that kind of utility guy, the the kind of role that Brandon Drury is playing right now. I think that's what Guriel is built for. And if that's an easier way to get his bat in the lineup without having him have these Knobloch-ian throws from second base, I'm all for it. So continue converting Guriel, and hopefully we see him up with the Blue Jays again soon. So before my throat just completely explodes, I'm going to bring this episode to a close and this week to a close. So Thank you to Miles and Chris and Alex and John and Jason and Roy for your contributions to today's episode. A reminder, if you want to get in on it, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18, that's NeoAC18, to send your thoughts and you can get a shout out just like all those other people did. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LockedOnJays. Uh, reminder, if you're not subscribed, do so on Himalaya, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Jays, and you can be subscribed, and everyone will be happy, I hope. Um, and then, yeah, next week, I'll probably discuss more on what what we're doing to celebrate 200, essentially. It's going to be a little early, and it's going to be because I'm going to be away on the road and not have any of my equipment to record. So, um, actually, it's going to be a, a series of interviews that I'm doing with people around the league that are covering various facets. Most of it's going to be Blue Jays related. Going to be doing the first one tomorrow, I hope. So... I'll be able to confirm at least one big name in the world of Blue Jays coverage that will be gracing this podcast. So subscribe and make sure you don't miss it. And I will have more info on that next week once I know for sure I have it recorded because that has happened in the past. So for everyone here at the Lockdown Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, Uh, I'm still Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care. 